In today's show, we're looking at Sunday's action in the NBA. An update on Tyrese Halliburton, his injury, Bradley Beal's injury, Damian Lillard's injury, Trey Young's injury. It's all here. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. I just hit the wrong button there on the video. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble, on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball and Substack, JoshLloyd48.substack.com. It's free. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Okay. Let's, uh, we've got eight games on a Sunday. We're going to talk about those games. We did a waiver wire show earlier today, the streaming show earlier today, and now we're going to look at the action from Monday. So, Warney. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> People keep asking me, is there an update on Cade Cunningham? No, there is not. There's no update on Cade Cunningham. They keep asking me, would you drop Cade Cunningham? Personally, I am not doing it, but I also am having very little hope in Cade returning this season. So, your situation is always going to be unique and how your team looks in terms of injuries, where you sit in the standings, how aggressive are people going to be in stashing, how many injured slots do you have, all that stuff is going to change it. I most, I think nearly all of my leagues have three, two to three injured reserve slots, and I am going to hold on to Kate. But I also, again, I think it's a 10% chance that he plays this year, and I don't know when we're getting an update. I reckon if we're still in the same spot um, here, or same spot now that we are, or let me try again. I can't speak words. Why would I be able to speak words? I don't need them. If we're in the same spot that we are now in a week's time, then I think he will be a drop. But hopefully we get some sort of information in the in the meantime. But irrespective, I don't think he's coming back before January anyway. So again, it does lean towards a drop. I'm just probably going to be a little bit stubborn on that. I've got a list here saying Mo Bamba is questionable. Yes, he is. But guys like Suggs and Harris remain out, as does Trimmer KK. But the Bamba situation impacts Bowl. It impacts Mo Wagner, who started the last two games. And that'll, that'll change a lot of the dynamics there with the Magic. So that's something we need to watch. Speaking of dynamics changing, Norman Powell is out for the Clippers, but Paul George and Kawhi are questionable. I don't know whether they'll return on Monday, but it's obviously trending in the right direction that they are going to return sometime this week and impact guys like Morris and Kennard and Mann and Coffey and Wall and Batum and Covington and Jackson. We know this. These are two absolute big studs that are going to come back. Jordy Poole and Andy Wiggins are both questionable for tomorrow. There's an opportunity there for Kaminga, maybe for DiVincenzo to be streamable, depending on which one of those guys is out. I will talk about Tyrus Halliburton later, Damian Lillard later, Bradley Beal later in their respective games. But there was something that cropped up with Trey Young. And I think one thing that's important to note, or actually one other thing, Jimmy Butler questionable tomorrow, the knee flaring up again. Ugh, yikes. Um, the Trey Young situation, the article, and the tweet makes it seem like it's a little bit more aggressive than... Um, it might be. But there's obviously friction between Trey Young and Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan, I don't believe, is a very good coach. I don't think he should really last the season, but we'll see what they end up doing. But what it is, I think, you know, and I maybe I perpetuated this as well, even at the start, by air-quoting the shoulder injury. Trey Young does have a shoulder injury, right? The, the issue, from what I understand from reading that Shams article, is not 
that they used the shoulder injury as cover for why he was out of the game. They used the shoulder injury as cover for why he wasn't on the bench. He was always going to be out because of the shoulder injury. But there was friction between him and Nate McMillan where Nate's like, um, you know, if you, you've got to be on the bench with the team and Trey's like, I need to do rehab on the shoulder. Obviously, there's other sort of friction developing between these two, but Nate was either like, you're either here with the team or you're not. And Trey's gone, I'm just going to get the rehab. And yeah, you know, there's a lot more in it, obviously. But it, I, I think the way that it comes across is that it's a fake injury that they used as cover for why he didn't play. But why my understanding is that he actually had the injury and the issue of him not being with the team or not being on the bench is because McMillan was like, no, you have to be here, not get rehab. And he's like, well, I want it. I'd rather get the rehab. Other friction involved, of course, but it's not necessarily a fake injury that led him to miss that game. The designation saying he wasn't on the bench because of the injury is where the fakeness comes in. Does that make sense? I hope it does, because it is important to note that it wasn't a fake injury, and he's still listed questionable for their next game, but there's obvious tension, and you know who's going to win in a tension battle between a bad head coach and a franchise superstar? Yeah, it's going to be Trey Young. So I don't worry about where Trey Young's value lies. Do I think he's going to ask out? No, because if he says, hey, I can't work with Nate McMillan, you know what they're going to say? See you later, Nate McMillan. They're not going to say, all right, we'll trade you then, Trey. That's just not what's going to happen. Is Trey going to demand a trade? I highly doubt that. So I'm not worried about where Trey's production goes. I would be worried, and this might be a good thing, I would be worried that Nate McMillan's not going to be there. So you're going to have other guys, maybe a different coach at some point. Who knows? Maybe they patch it up. Maybe some things change there. On the uh, in terms of the uh, production or, or the way that rotations run. But I wanted to clear that up because I thought it was important because, again, the initial read is, oh, well, Trey Young faked, faked an injury so he didn't want because he didn't want to be there because he's arguing with the coach or they created a fake injury to suspend him and none of that happened. All right, so just make, making sure that... And go read the whole article for more detail, but that is um, important to note, I believe. Okay. What's, we're not going to do waiver wire stuff. We did that earlier today, a few hours ago on the Waiver Wire Show. So let's get into talking about these games. The first game, the Denver Nuggets. They lose to the New Orleans Pelicans. Al, what's the score? 121-106, New Orleans wins it. There was no Maga Porter Jr. still. Um, and let's start with the big controversy here, I guess, is that the big stiffy Bones Highland played only five minutes. Now, I am very critical of Dr. Michael Malone at times, but... I think it's confusion that bothers me and his over-reliance on low-upside bad veterans. But when Bones Highland plays five minutes, he goes scoreless and he's a minus 14 in five minutes, it's not great. And I think Bones' actual on-court performance this season has been really low. And you know I've talked a lot about why is Bones' usage so absolutely through the roof? It's like 31% usage. And we've seen him struggle all season, apart from a little stretch where Malone started playing him more than Bruce Brown. Where I went, okay, I didn't see this coming, but that means we want to add Bones. If he's going to push him into that role, we're going to add him. But he's not. He's dropping him way back down. Ishmith is playing over him. In the past, Malone has done this, and balancing between veterans who provide absolutely low upside, solid production, who are bad a lot of the time, versus a young player with huge upside who can pop off, but also completely destroy you in one game. Malone's always going to go with that veteran. They had to waive Jameer Nelson because Malone kept playing him ahead of Jamal Murray. And he's doing it now as well with Davon Reed over Christian Brown. So Smith is getting these minutes. Ish Smith, the guy who doesn't bring anything in terms of winning, really, is getting the minutes over Bones and playing like 18, 20 minutes a night. 
If you want to drop Bones Highland, I, I totally get it. I wasn't one of those people at the start of the season that thought huge breakout for Bones coming because, you know, I detailed a million times, hey, they actually gain players rather than losing players, which people thought when losing Morris, it means Bones would blow up. But then we saw that little run where he put up good numbers. Um, I think he's jackable. Get that garbage out of here! I also think that he is um, a, probably a dynasty buy low. This is a really rough stretch for him. But it wasn't good. Let's talk about good things for the Nuggets, though. Big Chungus, Nikola Jokic. Big, big chungus, big chungus, big chungus, big, big... Production's really leaping for him. Unfortunately, just 5 of 9 from the line. But 32, 16, and 9, 2 steals and a block on 68%. is awesome. Gordon had 19 and 8 with not much else. He'd sort of fallen away. I don't think he's top 100, but he's going to be around that. So there's going to be a little bit of a drop-off coming. Well, the headmaster, Jamal Murray, had 18, 4, and 5 with 2 blocks. Rough efficiency, but he's been much improved. I also think that the Shark, uh, Bruce Brown, is a must-roster player. Baby shark, do, 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 do. But as I literally just said, there was a period when they were healthy where Bones was playing 28 and he was playing 23. I don't think that'll happen very often, but it's worth mentioning. 13, 6, and 3 here for Brown. While the aforementioned Ish Smith had 8, 1, and 3. At least he was only a minus 1. I don't think we need to hold Contavious Caldwell Pope. He's now outside the top 120. He had 6-1-1. One, and one. I just don't think there's a need to hold him. Simple as that. Vlako Chenchar got you know, a lot of minutes off the bench. 15 of them didn't do much. But he is getting that rotation role. For the Pelicans, they were without Ingram and Jones. I did not, in a million years, and literally nobody did, expect Jose Alvarado. You couldn't have expected Jose Alvarado to go off. 27 minutes off the bench. 38 points. 8 triples. 63% shooting, 73 from 3, 37 usage, plus 21. It's a brilliant game. I think when we do the waiver wire stuff tomorrow, he'll be one of the most added players, and I think that's going to be incorrect. That is a huge game. That is a huge performance. A, he's not going to play 27 every night. He's obviously not going to be this guy. He's the 142nd ranked player this season, which is fine for 14-team leagues, but don't chase this too hard. Really look to see if someone adds him and see the player they drop. This is, I couldn't find a more unreplicable game than this. It's just not going to happen again, ever in his career, probably. Trey Murphy, 29 minutes, 12, 2, and 3 with three steals. I believe he's a must-roster player. Well, Zion, we'd be loving what he'd been doing, but it sort of fell away a bit. It's not terrible. 7 of 11 from the line is bad, but 25, 6, and 4, a steal on a block. He'd been averaging over two steals, two blocks over the previous three games, so it is a little bit of a drop-off here um, for him. You'd hope for a little bit more, but unfortunately, you didn't get it. And it was just a stinker from CJ McCollum. 7.6 assists, no threes, 27% shooting. He's been quite poor this season. I think there's a buy low here because the shooting is just so unbelievably bad that there's going to be some improvement. For sure, there has, there has to be. Speaking of improvements, I don't know if Valentinus is getting any. I might drop his sound drop now because at some point, maybe we're just not talking about him. Jonas Vassal Inuansas. 14 minutes, 13 points. Now, the low minutes were foul trouble. We've talked ad nauseum about the fit with him and Zion, how it's not great. In the past, in previous games, it had just been Larry Nance who'd get 25, 26, but it wasn't in this one. Nance played just 20 minutes, four and three with a steal and a block because they reintroduced Billy Hernan Gomez. Now, Hernan Gomez had 12 and eight with a steal and a block. That's a really good game. I don't know that I want to trust the three-man center rotation that often. Um, I think Nance, as we're seeing the minutes sort of push down two or three. 24, 25 minute a night, Nance is a 12-team league guy. 22 isn't. So if you want to move on, move on. I wouldn't add Hernan Gomez either. 
Devontae Graham had five points in 14 minutes, while Dyson Daniels played well, 20, well, sorry, played good minutes, 21 minutes, two and two. He's a streamer on the days where these players are out, but uh, he's not going to be able to find 20 minutes a night when Ingram and Jones return. I, well, I'd be pretty surprised if he was able to do that, uh, to be honest. Today's episode is brought to you by the fine folks over at Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. And with Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classical luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Or find affordable economy cars if you're in a budget and you just need to get from A to B. You can also test drive electric vehicles and see how they fit in your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars. Find your drive at Turo.com. Second game of the day. Another blowout this one. The Suns and the Spurs. 133 Phoenix, 95 San Antonio. So it's hard to read huge amounts into this one, especially from Phoenix. Aiton had a huge 25-10 and 10 game, but only played 25 minutes. It's good to see that usage spike back up after he was very unaggressive last game. Bridges was questionable heading into this one. He had 20 points with six triples, and Booker had 20 and eight assists. So good games from all those guys. But it was also a big game from Dario Saric. 21 minutes, 17 points, four threes. Now, last game, he did start with Tory Craig out and did absolutely nothing. So I'm not going to read too much into this. He shot 75%. He had the minutes and roll are far from guaranteed. Craig might actually play in the next game, which is tomorrow. So Saric might be streamable tomorrow if we hear more about Tory Craig being out, but that's about it. This game's so off the rails that Josh Okogie was fantasy relevant. 26 minutes, 9, 11, and 6 with three steals. I shouldn't need to tell you that you don't need to look at Okogie in 12 or 14 or 16 team leagues. He is the 396th ranked player this season, and I just don't care. Cameron Payne was bad. Five points on eight shots. He had six assists. As soon as Chris Paul is back, I reckon I'm happy to drop him. I don't really care that there'll be other games later on that Paul will miss. I don't believe that he will be a hold in that situation, but your own league will have different sort of situations. Maybe you are extended bench or weekly roster or roto games cap where you can stash someone on the bench. I don't think he's going to be that guy, but you can make arguments in those situations. For the Spurs, remember, San Antonio has a two-game week coming up and they don't play until Thursday. That is absolutely huge in terms of making roster decisions. Also, the next time we see San Antonio play will be Thursday, as I said. Um, but you might have Josh Richardson back and Doug McDermott back and Jeremy Sohan back. Sohan now! And Jakob Pertl back. All those guys might be returning. So the stream of Zach Hollins, I talked about this on one of the show earlier today, is the process was 100% correct. The ad of him turned out to be 100% incorrect because he shit the bed in three games, fouled trouble in two of those games, and it didn't work out. But again, if I was presented with the same opportunity, hey, their starting center is out. Zach Collins is going to start. I would add him in 12-team leagues every single time. It's just that he had one of the worst three-game stretches he could possibly have at the time that his role was amplified. And, and that, that's tough. Collins um, had, what did he play? Only 17 minutes, 4, 6, and 5 for 14% shooting. Goldfinger had 5 and 7. Charlie Bassey. But you can drop these guys. If you streamed in, Kata Bates D up 12 points with two threes, drop him. Collins, drop him. Bassey, drop him. You know, Isaiah Roby, if you had him, drop him. The guys you hold on to are Devin Vassell, who did hurt himself towards the end. The coach said, oh, no, he's fine. But I don't know what his injury was. Like, okay, Brett Brown, tell us. But they don't play till Thursday. He'll be fine, I think. 14, 5, and 4, while the, uh, the old horse, Calden Johnson. Whose horse is that? Better. Better. 27, 5, and 2 on 48% shooting. We love that. 
34 usage is just too high. Now, if, if you want to lose, this is the way you can lose tanking-wise. Give a bad player the number one offensive role. Because that's what Kelton is. I've never been a massive Kelton Johnson fan. I thought he could bludgeon his way to pretty good value this season just with volume. But he's actually hurting so much in percentages. And even today, when the field goals go in, he hit 67% from the line and hurt you there. He is outside the top 150 for the season. I think he's going to be better than that. Um, but you've got to understand that you're going to have some really rough percentage nights and he's going to lack defensive stats a lot. But don't drop him. Trey Jones, 10-2-3, two steals and a block. Not great, but solid enough to hold uh, through all of this you know, nonsense as we wait for them to play on. The only good thing about the schedule is they play Thursday, Saturday. Both low-volume days, but it is a, a wait with three um, days of, of no action. But you hold on to those three core guys. Everyone else can uh, get out of here. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for all professional and amateur leagues out there from football to basketball and soccer, esports, and more. They've got it all at BetOnline.net. Unfortunately, the Dolphins, disappointing loss against the Niners. We'll be back next week, but if you want to check all the NFL action, including Monday Night Football Saints versus Buccaneers, it's there. Over-under of a dismal 40.5 points. I'm guessing they're not expecting a barn burner, but... Brady and the Bucks are three and a half point favorites. Should they be able to beat the Saints by more than that? You'd bloody hope so. And you can check all of that action over at Better Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Better Online is where the game starts. Don't forget to gamble responsibly. All right, the Bulls, they go down to the Kings, 110-101. The final score here, Sacramento gets the victory. Um, for Chicago, great to see this from Zach Levine, who had been struggling quite a bit. 41 points, 8 rebounds, 4 steals, 57% shooting, 3 triples, 40% usage. Far out. DeRozan was also pretty good, obviously not to that level. 18-6-4, but a lack of peripherals and poor efficiency hurt him. They went back to Patrick Williams in the starting lineup because Javante Green was out, and Williams put up a good game. 10-5, and five, a steal and two blocks, 33 minutes. I wonder if he sticks in the lineup. He's still so low usage that it requires the defensive stats to carry him, and I'm not sure that makes him absolutely a must roster, but this is encouraging. Vooch was, I don't know, like limp? I don't know what the right word is. It's Vooch's him. Vooch's a bitch. 12-6 and six with two threes, a block, 40%. He's had so many low field goal percentage nights. And um, Andre Drummond played six first-half minutes and then never played again. They're going away from him as a backup center because, as we know, is he? Is he? The worst. It's not the worst, but he sucks pretty bad, the big avocado. Ayo uh, Desumu, you can jack him off really, really easily. Pretty happy with that. 6-1-3, and three, while Caruso played 30 minutes. Now, this is one of the most Caruso lines of all time. Zero points on 0-4 shooting. Three rebounds, four assists, three steals, two blocks. If you have Caruso, it's assists and steals. The blocks are a nice benefit. He's not must roster, but there is value in him as a 30-minute plus a night starter, or maybe plus at least 30 minutes a night. There is value in that, but you know you're going to cop it from a scoring perspective, and you've got to be used to that. Deeper leagues, you want to pay attention to big Derek Jones Jr., who is the backup center apparently now. 17 minutes, three points. It's not going to do much for any leagues apart from like 20 teamers, but you want guys who are actually playing. And Jones is one of those guys. So three and four with a steal in 17 minutes while Dragic and White are sort of absorbing each other's value. On the Kings, 
Darren Fox. Yeah, we're, we're, it's really settling now, isn't it? 16, 7, and 4, two steals, a block with two dribbles. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But again, it's such a come down from where it was before. Uh, 36% shooting, hit all his free throws, but he's sort of settling in. But my man, Malik Monk. It's going to call him Funk then. I don't know why. It's Fox and Monk. 20 points, five assists, two steals, three triples, 50% shooting. He's going to cool off. But the, the minutes, the value, the usage, the assists, they're all great. I think he's a 12-team league guy. While Keegan Murray, who played well last game, went back to doing the Keegan Murray stuff. 24 minutes, 11 points, three threes. Hard to look at him as must roster unless you're stashing for the future. The Kevin Herter come down is also pretty significant. 12 points, no rebounds, 28% shooting, 9% from three, one of nine from deep. This stuff is so obvious, but people get caught up in it. If someone is shooting 50% from three, they will not shoot 50% from three. And then you often will have these wildly bad nights that help to even it out. It just is what happens. Now, you're loving what Herder did. If you could trade him for top 70, you should have. Now it's getting to like a slump stage where don't drop him. It will start to even back out because the role is pretty secure. But that sort of stuff just has no basis in reality of being able to hold. The pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. 38 minutes is good. 17 and 6 is pretty good, but still low usage. 15% usage, one steal. The bloke's never going to block a shot in his life. Um, again, if we're fantasy playoffs, I like him on a 12-team roster. As we're still trying to get value in and upside and see what happens, he's got none of that. He's got no upside. He's got solid top 130, 120 type value. And he's totally okay to roster. He's totally okay not to roster. That's how I view him. Well, Sabonis, 11, 17, and 9, and played 36 minutes. He took four shots, Sabonis. Six of six from the line, but only four shots. He's been pretty solid. 28th ranked player this season, but probably there's, there's more room to grow there. I just don't think that that's necessarily going to come on this team. Next one, the Grizzlies survive a little bit of a late scare against the Pistons, 122-112. Ja Morant put up good lines. Still a little bit negative from the line, 75%, but 33-5 and 10, hit three threes, 52% overall. He had dropped off. Before this game, he was 113th over the last week, down to 44th for the season. This is an improvement. Dylan Brooksy Brooks, the assists continue to be impressive for him. 22 points, five threes, 35% shooting is dreadful, of course, but five assists and two steals. He has some value in a punt field goal build, at least while Baino's out. And Santi Aldama blocked two shots. He had five assists as well. And I reckon there is a chance that Jaron Jackson sits tomorrow. So you could stream Aldama for that. There was no Steven Adams in this one. So Brandon Clark started 14 and 14 and 30 minutes. It's a good game. But that's really where we are with Clark. It's going to require Adams being out for him to be useful. While Jaron had 22 points, not much else there. Just the one block, but good percentages. Two threes. Fine. Lil John... Concha. Okay. 32 minutes, 11 and 5, 4 steals. Good. They play again tomorrow, and then I believe there's a really long break until they do play a quality game. I think it might be Saturday. This is their next low-volume day. I still think we hold him until Bain comes back, but be aware of that. Tyus Jones only had the 5 points, while Xavier T. Illman was in the rotation and racked him up defensively. I still think Tillman can be a rotation big man. 2 steals and 2 blocks, but he's just not going to get those opportunities on this team. They were without, of course, Jake LaRavia in this game, meaning David Roddy had four points in 24 minutes. He's probably not a rotation guy most nights if they're healthy. But the Pistons, the GOAT Killian Hayes played 29 minutes, 13, 2 and 6, 1 steal, 2 blocks, 3 threes. No excuse not to roster him. Yes, Cade might come back, but I don't care. Like you just roster him and then we deal with that later. Boyan had 18, 1 and 1. 
And the depressed penis, just after I said, you know what? Yeah, droppable. Yep, all right. He comes out and goes crazy. This was the first time he'd scored 20 points in a month. So bear that in mind. He had 22 points in 33 minutes. And he got to 33 minutes because a lot of their starters played poorly. So they got benched. We had only 24 minutes for Bogdanovich. We had only 28 minutes for Ivy. 24, 6, and 7 for Bay is great. Still subpar efficiency, no defensive stats. I am not biting on this for 12-team leagues. A lot of people will. They'll criticize me for saying he's a drop. I don't care these games happen. I don't buy this as a regular occurrence. Ivy had 10 and 6 with 3 assists and 3 steals. He is going to kill your field goals. There's no way around that. I still think he should be rostered, but that's going to happen. While Marvin Bagley tweeted this the other day, remember, when I said, hey, his per-game numbers are almost literally identical to last season, but he was 150 ranking spots higher because he had a 10% increase in his true shooting percentage. Well, today, Bagley played 21 minutes. He had 8 and 5 with, you guessed it, 0 assists and 0 steals. Didn't take a free throw and shot 44% from the field. And this... These are the games why I am not a Marvin Bagley category league guy. And when he plays like this, he gets benched, which is exactly what happened here. Still hold him, sure. I just think over time, eventually they'll just be like, Fuck, can this guy defend ever? And if, if the efficiency drops off, then the value disappears. And that is, and I know people don't really understand what my tweet, maybe I should have been more clear on it. My tweet was illustrating is if the efficiency drops off, there's really no change in what he was doing. And then if it does drop off, that bad defense will lead to fewer minutes. Still roster Marvin Bagley. Still roster him for now. But this is an illustration of how things can go awry really quickly. Isaiah Stewart wasn't very good either. Eight points, two threes, two blocks on 43%. He probably is a 12-team league guy. And I think I prefer him over Bagley, but I don't feel super strong about that. While Jalen Duran only played 15 minutes, which is annoying. But at least they were able to lose. Zero points with three rebounds, one steal, two blocks. He still is the best center from a fantasy perspective. They would get the minutes equally, but he's not going to. It doesn't appear like, which is frustrating as all shit. 10 points for Hamadou Diallo in 12 minutes. Kevin Knox played 12 minutes, but a lot of that is some of that garbage time stuff where they were able to close that gap on the Grizzlies a little bit in this one. The next game, the Celtics pull away from the Nets in the end to win 103-92. Some pretty, um, pretty interesting performances in this one. Um, for Boston, Jalen Brown was awesome. Like, yeah, it's just awesome. JB, you've done it again. 35 and 10 with five triples, two steals, four blocks, 82 from the line and 50 from the field. That is fantastic. And he is inside the top 15 over the last week. Tatum was also great. 29 and 11 with four steals and three threes. Didn't have a block, but the other stuff was excellent as well. Big games from their big studs. Also big minutes from Malcolm Brogdon. 32 minutes with Marcus Smart out. I guess somewhat to be expected. 13, 8, and 8, while Derek White only played 20, 22 minutes, which is not expected. Now, White is not a guy that I do think can maintain 12-team league value all season, but he'd been trending up. This was really disappointing. Three points on 14% is bad. And this part of my issue with Brogdon and White and Smart is they're all going to sort of cannibalize each other. And you have a big game here, and you go, see, I told you it was Brogdon. Then you have a big game from White, and you go, see, I told you it was White. Then they'll both struggle, and you go, see, I told you it was neither. And you'll sort of be just, it's like trying to follow the bloody ball under the three cones or whatever it is. Because it's all going to sort of move around and it's going to get worse when Rob Williams returns. Grant Williams was pretty good. 36 minutes. He started with Marcus Smart out. I wonder if they go back to starting him with White struggling here. They could. 10 and 5, two threes, three steals. Good game from him. He's back at least 12 teams streamable. If they do go back to him starting. Well, Hauser had played under 10 minutes. He got back to 18. So again, the rotations continue to be sort of mix and match with Joe Mazzulla. And that's fine. 
For the Nets, Durant, 31-7-5, two steals, two blocks. That's excellent. Kyrie, 18-8-5, 40 minutes for both Irving and Durant. That's awesome. From a, hey, we're getting fantasy numbers. It's bad for in terms of their health and the injury prevention moving forward. While Smoke and Joe Harris, big minutes while Simmons is out. Apparently, we'll get an update on Tuesday at practice as to Simmons' availability moving forward. It doesn't sound great, but we'll get that um, update there. And Harris is 13 points, three threes, six rebounds. If you need points and threes, he's providing adequate stream value. But Seth Curry is not. Zero points in 14 minutes, four early fouls. He's not a 12-team league guy. In fact, get that garbage out of here! But I feel really confident in saying that he will get some better games. And he's got to learn to stream him when that happens. Royce O'Neal, again with the, the weird game, 41 minutes, six points, but four assists, a steal and a block. His shooting has actually been atrocious, 17% here. His two-point percentage is so far down from last season, and he's balancing that by bumping his assist rate to like double. And it's hard to get a full handle on where that sits. Well, we had 38 minutes from Claxo, 9 and 14 with a block. Tony Warren, 18 minutes is encouraging. Four points on, uh, what, four shots? He's not. I do not believe TJ Warren is a 12-team league player. He might have some stream value at some point, but I do not believe that he is a guy you need to have on your roster uh, and need to hold or anything along those lines. Let's go to the next one. It is the Washington Wizards hosting the Lakers. The Lakers win at 130-119 because Anthony Davis was unbelievable. We all panicked about Anthony Davis. And in the, in the preseason, me and Matt did the power forward center tiers. And we're talking about, oh, you grab Davis second round, is a lot of risk. But you know, not many people have number one upside. I said, I don't, have, I don't actually know if he's got number one upside anymore. I reckon that ship might have sailed. Well, I guess I'm a dickhead, aren't I? Because he fully embraced playing the position where he's best at, center. We had seen his rebound numbers continually drop and drop and drop, playing power forward. He playing center, and he is destroying. 55 and 17, two threes, three blocks, 73 from the field, and he can hit free throws again, nine of nine from the line. This is unbelievable to see this change over the last three years. Playing that preferred position. I don't want to play center. Play it, my guy. You're going to do well. Promise. See? I think it's been proven. He's dominating. He's been unbelievable. Knock on wood. No injuries. He's killing it. Number one player this season. LeBron, 29-8-6 with two threes. Hurt his ankle again, but played through it. Well, Lonnie Walker had a good game, but it's empty. It's always the problem with Lon, right? Only played 25 minutes, but 20. it looks great. 20 points looks great, right? but it's on 70%. He took 10 shots. If he suits 40%, what's, what does he do? Did he hit any threes? He hit four of them, and those four threes were 100%. So if he goes one of four from three, that's nine points off. It's 11-2-1. and one. And it, this looks putrid. I don't think he's a 12-team league guy. I also don't think um, Dennis Schroeder is. Get that garbage out of here! Eight assists is nice. But he's just never going to, I don't think, get an eight assist option every game. And he's just not going to be a usage player. Four and two. Well, Westbrook had six, seven, and 15. 15 assists in 29 minutes. Some weird stuff in this game. Just some really weird stuff. Austin Reeves played only 25 minutes. Troy Brown went from starter to 17 minutes. Reeves is just a streamer, but if they're going to minimalize him like this when playing stupid combinations that include Schroeder, I just, I just don't think Schroeder fits with these guys. But they got the win. Who am I to judge? Um, you know, Reeves and Beverly, we leave those guys on the wire. Obviously, if you you don't have Tom Bryant, surely in 12-team leagues, he played 10 minutes for four points and five rebounds. He is not really crossing over with Anthony Davis at all. And yeah, that's cool. For the Wizards, Brad Beal, pinged a hammy. Said it was hamstring tightness, and then uh, Wes Unsailed after the game said it was hamstring strain. That's, surely it's minimum a week. It's probably two. It might push three. 
NBA teams are more cavalier with return from hamstring injuries. They bring them back a little bit early. But you'd have to think that is... Um, that's a week, I would guess, at least for Brad Beal. They started Corey Kispert in his place. 16 points with four threes in 30 minutes. That's a good streamer if you're looking for an option, say like with Joe Harris, for some points and threes. Kuzma, 26, 7 and 4, two steals and a block. He's been unbelievably good this season. So has Porzingis, 27 and 9. And they played a little bit of Gafford and Porzingis together. 19 and 7 for Dan Gafford with two blocks on 90% shooting. So maybe they are going this route, especially with some of the smaller players getting hurt, like Beal and um, Dylan Wright's out and Rui Hachimura's out. Maybe Gafford is a four, he's at least a 14-team stream with the way things are trending. It's two games. Not locking that in as we move forward, but it's two games. The other guy to watch for deeper leagues is Jordan Goodwin. 8-7-3 with two steals and a block. It's mainly for defensive stats if Beal is out. Avdia in the past has thrived when Beal was out. He had the defensive stats, two steals and a block, seven points, eight rebounds. Wouldn't mind considering him. Like it becomes him or Kispert as probably the 12-team streams with Beal out, would be my guess. Well, Monty Morris, 31 minutes. Good opportunity for Monty Morris. 14 points, one rebound, four assists. He had a steal as well. He also um, hit two threes. He didn't go to the free throw line at all, but I don't want to do too much of the Monty Morris voice because it was actually okay here. And with Beal out, he does have an opportunity to be a little bit better. But I'll tell you someone who I'm not actually sure whether he can get better. Uh, it's Will Barton. Five assists, but zero points on zero or five shooting remains just horrible. And I wouldn't be bothered adding him even with Beal out. Kispert, Avdia, Goodwin, and Gafford are all options. And I'd, I'd put almost Gafford in the Kispert-Avdia mix, although I don't feel confident of how much they're going to play those two together. But this was two really encouraging games in a row for Gaff. So if you did want to make the ad, he's obviously a quite a good fantasy player. I can't fault you for that because... It is trending in the right direction, but the crossover here was about five or six minutes. It's not as much as in the previous game, but still, getting him to 20 minutes a night is really, really bloody useful, as you can tell. The next game, we take a look at the Cavaliers and the Knicks. The Knicks um, get the win here as my box score just disappears. 92-81 was the final score in this one. Real low scoring on this one. 92 New York, 81 Cleveland. Mobley, 11 and 10 with four blocks. He's actually a top 30 player over the last week. And it's sort of sliding under the radar. He's top 50 for the season. Solid numbers. Don Mitchell, the five assists are encouraging. 23, 4 and 5. While Garland had 17, 2 and 3. And he was just rough. 26% shooting is really, really poor. Kevin Love, a lot, as talked about on the Wave Watch, a lot of people scooped him with Dean Wade out. I didn't really get it. 8 and 7 in 22 minutes. I don't think he's a 12-team league player. Well, Karis Levert stunk, like smelled rancid. Rancid. Four points in 16 minutes, 25% shooting. Karis Levert, I know you know this. Well, maybe you don't. Get that garbage out of here! Lamar Stevens can be a deeper league stream type for defensive stats. He had eight points in 27 minutes. While the Discman, 30 minutes for CD Arsman. 10, 4, and 4 with three steals. Now, we know that Chetty is an unbelievably inconsistent player. And I don't think we need to react to this. But with Allen out, with Wade out, it's going to be Osman and Stevens and Levert and Diakiti who started and went scoreless and Okoro. And sometimes one of those guys will pop off. It might be Levert sometimes. It might be Diakiti. It might be Osman. It might be Stevens. Knowing when that is, is absolutely impossible. 
But when you want to take flyers on guys, remember that there is at least the opportunity for someone like an Osman to step up on a desperation day, perhaps like a Sunday when you're trying to win a matchup. You're picking the right one? No idea. But I'd rather the, the upside of, say, Osman or a Levert to stream in than a Stevens or an Okoro, understanding that there's a chance that they can just completely fart in your mouth and then you've got no hope of doing anything apart from vomit. Like that's, that's really how it works with those blokes. For the Knicks, Jalen Brunson, 23-2-4. Good numbers there for him, while the double royal, Julius Randle. Eighteen nine and four, thirty-seven percent. Doesn't get much more Randall than that. Rowan Barrett. Speaking of not getting more Randall, this doesn't get more Barrett than this. Fifteen and eight on thirty-nine percent. Also three or four from the line. Continuing his suckiness. He had been a little bit better of late, but this was strong. Um, Cam Reddish DMP CD'd in this one, so you can drop him obviously. While Grimes, he played forty minutes for four points. Now Quentin Grimes is a steal streamer. He had two steals and a block, but he's just going to have so little opportunity to do anything playing in this starting group that he's just not a 12-team league player. Maybe 14, probably more 16. Hartenstein played 14 minutes for 10 and 9, while Robinson had 5-11 with three steals and a block. Hartenstein's a 12-team drop in my mind. Well, quickly, uh, even on a game where Derek Rose rested, which they didn't tell us about before the game, uh, quickly played only 24. He had 12 and 5 with two assists. He's solid. We love that he's upside, but it's just not going to hit often enough for him to be a 12-team league guy. Obi Toppin resignated? No, no, no. That's not the right word. Interestingly, relegated, that's the word, only 13 minutes. But they played, um, I don't get to do this one often. I don't get to talk about this guy often. I actually like him long-term, but Juice McBride. I am going to drop a deuce on everybody. Interesting, he played 16 minutes while quickly only got 24 and Reddish got zero. Huh. Something to pay a little bit of attention to, I think. I don't know why, but I like McBride, but again, just these weird bench mixes that Thibodeau tends to run. All right, so the last game of the night, the Blazers bring up the wrong box score. I'll fix that. Here we go. Magic fixed. The Blazers host the Pacers and beat them 116-110 is the final score here. Um, it was always going to happen. Lillard back and Halliburton out. It was, they were never going to stand a chance, but there we go. So let's talk about the Pacers. Fortuitously, I really did highlight Andrew Nempard on the Waiver Wire show today. I even posted about it on Insta and with a big graphic saying, hey, good ad. 37 minutes for Nempard, 16, 6, and 8 with a steal and two triples and 58% shooting. That was before I knew Halliburton was out. Yeah, he's a clear ad. Halliburton's going to miss tomorrow as well. Nempard was already trending up and now he's an absolute must roster player for tomorrow. And then it's, this is it's where terminology, actually, you know what? I'll talk, I'll talk about that in a second. I'm going to talk about Trey Young in a second. Remind me. You can't, but remind me. I'll talk about Trey Young. Anyway, um, it's where terminology gets tricky. I say must roster. Like you have, you should be adding Nembhard. For tomorrow, we don't know how long Halliburton's going to be out. Plus he had value even when Halliburton was in. But this makes him a guy that you've got to grab and see where it goes. So is it a must grab? Sure. Is it a must to have value rest of season? No, but it could. And that's what we try and do. That's why when I talk about spuds like Harrison Barnes, well, yeah, maybe he's the 130th player all season. I don't actually care that much. I'd rather take a flyer on Nembhard, get the value tomorrow, see what happens, see where it goes, see what happens with his Halliburton situation, and go from there. And then when it doesn't work out, you piss him off and you grab someone else. That's why I don't value those guys who top out at 130th. Miles Turner had 24-9, great game. From him, while Neesmith had to start with the absence of Halliburton and McConnell. 10 points with three steals. He's been a really good steals option, Neesmith, but that's probably about it. Sticks. Stand by your 
The frustration in this bloke is palpable. 17 minutes, six points. And then he just does enough to hold on with two blocks. Earlier this week, he had a couple of really big games. Like I think if you did add him, I would hold because the two blocks is enough. But if he's on my waiver wire, I wouldn't add him. It's just too much up and down frustration. Like before this game, he was the 52nd ranked player over the last week. He's 157th for the season though. And this will probably push him down again. But sometimes you get big games, sometimes you don't. In fact, oh my God, Jay Crowder, I apologize, but... Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thanks, Gattuso. Budrick Heald had 22 and 11 with four triples of steal and a block. Big game from him. We also got another shit one from Benedict Mathurin. 10 points in 32 minutes, 33% shooting. You know what I'm going to say? He had two steals, that's good. You know what I'm going to say, though? When blokes whose value is only through scoring and highly efficient shooting, when they don't bring it, there's nothing there. And Matherin now is outside the top 160 for the season. He's outside the top 220 for the last week. I still think he's probably worth holding, but it's got to be in the right scenario. It's got to be that you need points because his upside feels really limited this season because of the lack of counting stats or lack of a good all-around, well-rounded fantasy game that he, that he seems to have. Um, I think deeper leagues, maybe you want to look at Trevor and Queen tomorrow, but if TJ McConnell plays and Queen's value will dip there. But the Blazers, Lillard return, 21-4-6 and six with 5-3s. It's a really good game. We thought that it would mean a drop in usage for Simons and for Jeremy Grant, and we were half right. Him, Simons had a usage of only 19%, and we've seen consistently when he plays with Lillard that the usage does drop. And earlier this year, he was actually the 2B behind Lillard and Jeremy Grant, and that's exactly what happened here. Now he was able to um, bolster his value by having some other numbers. 22 points with five threes and six assists is really good, and he shot 57%, which include 56% from three, but I'm a little bit more worried about the fact that it was 19 usage, and he was a minus eight in a game they won by almost 20. That is a little bit of the concern. He's a guy that I've been talking about as a sell high. Um, so the sell high window might remain open here, because on the surface, the game looks really good. Because it is. Like, 22 points is really good. But is it sustainable? Jeremy Grant was the opposite. He had the big usage, 34 usage, but was inefficient, 43% shooting. But had 28, 5, and 3 with three threes. Yeah, he's also a big sell high. And that sell high window remains massively wide open. So, both of these guys, I think it's going to be hard for them to maintain that high level they were producing, which was top 30, without Lillard. One of them might have a top 30 game and then drops off. And this was, again, against an undermanned opponent. But I'm still... I don't look at this and go, well, yeah, they can all obviously survive and do this every game. Win little plays. I don't believe in that. Josh Hart had 11 and 10 with three steals. Good. Well, Nurkic dropped a little bit as well. 19, 6 and 4 with a steal and a block. And we did expect him to drop somewhat. But one we can jack off now is Justice Winslow. Still can stream for defensive stats. He had two steals with six rebounds in 23 minutes. And Trenton Watford, someone mentioned to me, hey, he didn't talk about Trenton Watford as a stream guy. And this was why, because I thought if Lillard and Hart play, he's just not going to have that value. He, he still played 17 minutes because of the absence of Nasir Little and Keon Johnson. But two points with four assists for Trenton Watford renders him as a useless deeper league player. And Shaden Sharp, too, useless. He has dropped way off. For as good as he has been, as good as I think he's going to be long-term, he's outside the top 300 in fantasy ranks for this season because... Like Matherin, he doesn't really do too much outside of score, and the minutes and the usage are just not even close to being where they need to be for that to make sense. Let's look at the lines of the night. The monstrous... Oh, actually, I was going to talk about Trey Young, so thank you for reminding me. 
earlier in the in the show, I talked about the Trey Young situation, and I recorded that like about an hour or so ago, you know, from where I am now. And I sort of sat on it and reflected, went and read the article again. And I think I was maybe a bit misrepresentative of that. It wasn't just that Trey Young was hurt; it was that, from my understanding of the article, and again, things might come out and change this, and I wanted to correct this because I didn't, didn't it didn't sit right with me the way I was talking about that earlier. Is that Young had the shoulder soreness? He was debating whether he was going to play. He wanted to get treatment on it. McMillan wanted him to come to shoot around. And Trey was like, no, I want to go get treatment on it. And then I'll tell you later on whether I'm going to play. And Nate was like, you either come and play off the bench or you don't come at all. And Trey was like, well, I'm going to get treatment. So I'm not going to come at all. Are they both in the wrong there? Probably, yeah. Is Trey, yeah, should, should, is it important for Trey to come to shoot around instead of getting treatment on his shoulder? I don't think so. I get what McMillan's trying to do. Team first, we're all going to be here. But I think for me, Trey getting that treatment is probably more important. Leaving the decision whether he plays in his hands is probably something he's earned a little bit given how quickly he's recovered from all of his injuries in the past and he's played through a lot of stuff. But yeah, I think I was being a little bit unfair earlier on to say that you know Young was out and this was you know, the team saying, don't get treatment or McMillan saying, don't get treatment, come sit on the bench. It wasn't quite what it was. So I hope that clarifies it. I do go in. The article's still not 100% clear in you know, who who is what, and there's always you know, agent sides and favors that are done in these articles and reporting. But I just wanted to clear that up, that it wasn't that he was definitely out. It was like he wanted to give the information later on, and McMillan said, like, no, come to shoot around. He's like, mm, not, if my option is come to shoot around, not get treatment now, versus play off the bench later on, I'm not going to do it. So both sides at fault. Apologies. The waiver wire line of the night. No, the monstrous line though. Stavis. Well, who cares? Yeah, we know it. The waiver wire line of the night and the young gun of the night is the big fella, Jose Alvarado. Do not expect him to do that again. And the dud of the night is Mr. Five Minutes himself, the big stiffy, Bones Highland. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I can't say that. Well, anyway, lots of thoughts go through my head that I would say in a real life setting. And you know, I say some pretty questionable things at times on there. But all I was going to say is if my big stiffy was a five-minute man, I think I'd be pretty happy. But anyway, let's get on to talking about the top 10 players in category leagues. Number one was Anthony Davis. Number two was Jalen Brown, followed by Zach Levine, Nikola Jokic, Jason Tatum, Jose Alvarado, DeMontis Sabonis, Kevin Durant, John Morant, and Damian Lillard. These are top 10 players today. Your top 10 in rostered in under less than, try again, rostered in less than 50% of leagues. Alvarado, yeah, looks steel streamer, but that offense is bullshit. Nempard, yep. Yep, grab him. Gafford, now, we've seen the trend, and then after the game, they asked Kuzma, yeah, man, love the two bigs. Give something different to look at. And I don't think Kuzma would come out and say that. Well, maybe he would, but maybe they are leaning into that. So definitely a 14-team league out there, Gaff. Dario Saric, not interested in. Bill Hernan Gomez, not interested in. Six was Santi Aldama. Maybe you stream him tomorrow if we hear that Jaron is out. Seven is Josh Okogi. I've never been less interested in a wire player in my life. Grant Williams, yeah, tomorrow there could be some big opportunities. I reckon he might get a sniff of taking Derek White out of the lineup again. Geordie Goodwin and Corey Kispert at 9 and 10. And with Beal likely on the shelf for a week, they're both going to push into at least 12-team stream value. Your top 10 players in points leagues. Number one was Davis, followed by Nikola Jokic. Then Jalen Brown, Zach Levine, Ja Morant, Christos Porzingis, Kevin Durant, Jose Alvarado, Jason Tatum, and... LeBron James, guys, that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey. And if you're on YouTube, please thumb it up. Please leave your comments. Please subscribe. And please ring my bell. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.